So, welcome to DevSecOps episode 10. Uh, and today is a special episode, as they all are. But today we have Anton with us. Hello. Hello, Hello Matthias. And you're new to the team here. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do uh, during day to day? Yeah, sure. It was a great pleasure, actually. I've been uh, involved into uh, uh, topics which you guys uh, are covering in this podcast, and I couldn't resist a chance to participate and uh, talk about uh, things which I like. So day-to-day, uh, I'm working with Terraform, AWS, and I'm uh, developing and maintaining a lot of uh, Terraform, AWS modules, as well as different tools which people find uh, helpful for their life. And... Uh, Today, I'd like to share some of my uh, kind of uh, tips and maybe we'll uh, convince each other that uh, there are some good things to do. Uh, it sounds great. It sounds yeah. great. Uh, yeah, that, great. This came up, it came up like this. I mean, Anton's last name is Babienko if you want to find him. But if you Google like Anton Babienko, you will find some tons of random dudes but if you write Anton Terraform, <laughs> you will get right Anton Babenko like, straight away. So he, he is more known as uh, Mr. Terraform. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, hello, Andrew. Hello, Julian. You're also with us today. And how are you? Hi. Very good. Thank you. How are you? Fine, fine, fine. Yeah, it's getting summer, right? Yeah, it's getting hot in Gran Canaria. It is. It's raining like crazy here in Sweden. Uh, okay, so Anton, there were some things that you heard in the last episode that you maybe don't agree with us, what we said. Is that a correct formalization? Um, maybe not necessarily I disagree. I just want to... Uh... Uh, bring another point of view, and uh, I'm I'm not really remembering right now what exactly was uh, <laughs> uh, was uh, uh, the thing you were talking yeah. about. But uh, uh, I think Andre mentioned that uh, uh, Terragrant is not good, or Terragrant is not uh, what he likes. And yeah. then I jump and say like, Hey, no. Terragrant is actually better than uh, what you think. Oh, and, cool, uh, cool, cool. And that's what I want to discuss. That yes, sounds uh, great. Yes, yeah, so then we're going to be talking about Terragrant and what problem it solves for people. Yeah, can you please explain to me what it is? Because I have not heard about it and I resist Googling it uh, before this episode. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthias, you, resi- you resisted preparing today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to keep my fingers away. Like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait after episode here to see if I can understand during the episode what it is and how we can help uh-huh. me. So, uh, so, so, so you want to be unbiased, right? Yeah, yeah, I want okay. to be. Yeah, that's true. So, start. Uh, what is t- Telegram? How, 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 how can you use it? And um, yeah. Everything. Well, yeah, I can uh, I can probably give uh, one minute introduction into Terragrant. So, first of all, uh, Terragrant is uh, is not replacement of Terraform as such. It is extra thing which adds on top of Terraform. And uh, the time when you should feel for need for such tool uh, will be probably not day one or not day two or maybe not even first week. But it's usually uh, at some point when you realize it, you are starting to copy it a little bit too much. You are yeah. copying some code, you are repeating something where you change just uh, values. So that's exactly where Terragrant started, is that uh, it tries to uh, simplify uh, key values or it tries to split uh, your configurations into several pieces. One is module which is reusable, versioned, and so on. And another piece is actually values which you pass into this module. So that's, ah. that's the main thing uh, what uh, Terragrant adds on top of Terraform. Using just Terraform uh, can be uh, uh, very hard to do. 
especially if you want to keep control of your infrastructure, put it into a CI CD pipeline, uh, see the difference between different environments. It's all going to be hard to do using just Terraform CLI. Yeah. So, so but let me expand like, on yeah. my journey with uh, Telegram, or like my non existing journey with Telegram. Um, I uh, looked into Terracron. I think Anton is right, because if you're just starting this Terraform, there is no need for the, some extra layers. And if you're basically one person provisioning one environment from your laptop, you're completely fine. So I think the real need there is when you have multiple environments. This is where you start to feel a need. Yeah, because for instance, you have like uh, you're deploying an application, right? So back in the day, we discussed that you would split your Terraform specification into several pieces. So you yeah. will have a foundational architecture like the VPC, IAM, all that stuff, and that might be different between the environments. But when it comes to your application code, that one you actually want to be more or less the same in dev stage and prod, so you could test that infrastructure works, but you might have slight differences that you can control through some variables, right? Yeah. And this is where uh, TerraGround offers a pinnated solution to that. Yeah. So TerraGround is quite well explained in uh, Terraform Up and Running, the book by the same person who wrote the TerraGround. And uh, I was a little bit against the idea that you split the directories. Yeah. Uh, but before I go into splitting directories, maybe Anton can explain what, uh, what, what do we mean by, by directories and uh, how it's supposed to be used. Yeah, uh, I, I'm actually a big fan of uh, duplication of, uh, uh, of values. So that's why splitting by directory is feeling very natural for me. What I mean by that is that uh, when we work with the infrastructure on uh, public cloud providers, we always have uh, to have in our head mental model of this cloud provider, uh, which uh, in AWS as, uh, uh, represents as AWS account has uh, infrastructure which is uh, separated by regions and then inside of each region, we have services, and each of these services has configuration, which is a very natural approach to structure it by folders. And uh, Terragrant has uh, native uh, ways of uh, working with folders by assigning content of each folder to be related to one specific Terraform module, which means that in order to configure, uh, let's say, uh, S3 bucket, uh, we have to invoke one module. And since S3 bucket belongs to region, then we have to put this S3 bucket folder inside of our region folder. And ah, cool. so on. If we are working with uh, resources which are global, like I am, I am yeah. roles, policies, and so on, we may put them into master folder, which is usually called like global folder and we put our IAM configuration there. And the value of splitting this uh, by folder is that a uh, person who is looking into this infrastructure as configuration files should not have a second thought about, hey, uh, what is this folder about? What kind of services are we configuring here? Or in which, uh, environment, in which regions do we have our Lambda functions deployed? So they have to simply look into folder structure and understand what are these folders, how they are connected together, and so on. We're talking about different type of folders. <laughs> so... But uh, I thought it's, look, what I'm hearing now is what I've been missing. Because I set up Terraform now running, and I have two environments, Int and Prod. Yeah. But I have two folders, and I use, like, Terraform in it to analyze a different project with different names and then I apply them and then of course I have the changes 
between them are not that big. Mostly like int and prod in different names, but it's still two folders. But with this, you're saying I can have one folder and then just apply uh, the name no. for the cluster more or less. No, you have different folders for environments. So that's like yeah. conceptual oh. model of the Terragram that you create a different folder for every environment. Yeah. And there you will have TFR files, I believe. Right, Anton? And, uh, Not TFRs. Uh, now it is called teragrant.hcl. Okay, so basically it's uh, Teragrant's own version of TFR's thingy. Ah, cool. I, I, just, uh, I, I just want to give a, a little bit of example where I'm coming from with this. Because like what we do right now for the customer, for instance, we're not using Teragrant, we're using like the plain vanilla Terraform. And what we do for applications, so again, it's a good idea to split your uh, architecture, your the infrastructure into pieces, maybe by different repositories, maybe by, by directories within one repository, to take out like foundational parts, like the networking, IAM, all of that. Yeah. But then... Uh, idea that the application pro provision its own dependencies, for instance, it needs DynamoDB, right? It needs a security group, it needs load balancer. We, we put all of that into the application's own directory or repository, whatever you call it. The primary distinction here is like a separate state file. So I think that's okay. what I mean. It's, it's not important how it's structured on a directory or repository level. The application has its own state file and what I like to have is to apply exactly the same application spec to all environments. Yeah. And the way we do it today, we have like an environment ID, which whatever it is, by, let's simplify saying it's prod. So we have an environment variable saying I'm in prod now. And we have like a prod.tfvars. And then I have a tiny shell wrapper that says like, well, just if there is a file called this environment variable.tfrs, append it to the Terraform command. So that's basically it. And then I'm using the same spec and applying that to the different environments with different values. In my understanding, what Telegram suggests that you just get all of that out of the application spec all the details, put it into the models, and just say that I'm calling the model application, and those are values for different environments. And you put those into different folders, and you run them from the different folders. Okay. Am I getting it right, Anton? Yeah, uh, that's pretty much an accurate uh, explanation. With uh, one thing which uh, worth mentioning is that uh, uh, features which you are currently implementing in your own uh, uh, orchestration tool, which is probably a shell script uh, where you do Terraform init uh, with one set of arguments and then Terraform apply with another set of arguments, is uh, one-fifth of what uh, Terragrant can do. Another significant option what Terragrant can do is uh, executing hooks before and after certain commands. So think about this is that uh, when you look into your application, which consists of some uh, some uh, application code which has to be built. Then you have some uh, secrets which you want to extract somewhere. Uh, and then you need to provision infrastructure and then you need to deploy all of this. Uh, this means that uh, you should have several hooks which you execute. So think about this. You go to a folder which consists of your infrastructure and your own Telegram apply. And Terragrant will understand that before apply, it has to, let's say, build an application, build AMI, extract secrets, do whatever you want. And then it has to create uh, infrastructure necessary for that. And then it has to deploy. All of this can be described as a sequence of hooks uh, after or before certain commands, which, uh... is extremely, which is extremely helpful. And you're actually doing this exactly the same in your makefile already. No, I'm no, no. Uh, yeah, no. maybe in your CI/CD. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that. Um, I'm not well, saying like, this is a good practice. What you have to do for all needs, 
Uh, one specific thing which uh, I personally find suitable is about uh, getting uh, uh, getting secrets which are necessary to uh, to do something. That's the only thing which I do inside of this before hooks. Personally, yeah. I never I never built anything or never build AMI or run any and any tests. But uh, I know that you can do this. Yeah. And if, if you have a lot of stuff in your make file or in your shell script, this is a way how you can do this. Uh, so it's good to know, but like I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, unique style of thinking. You yeah. use one tool for one thing and one, one tool becomes like everything like Gradle does, for instance. You could do like whatever you like with Gradle. Yeah, I'm pro- probably not. <laughs> Yeah, and you are not alone. Many people, uh, including myself, uh, we are not using these before hooks and after hooks more than once. Like in, in all projects which I use it, I use before hook only as a temporary fix for something before I move it to a better place. Right. But, but, but can you use it to fetch the uh, credentials to run Terraform? Yeah, that's right? exactly yeah. the. That's exactly what uh, I know that uh, some people are using it. For example, yeah. I have uh, Secret Hub as a storage for secrets. Yeah. And uh, then before it runs uh, Terraform uh, in it, it goes to Secret Hub, uh, fetch the secret, set it as environment variables. Do not put it anywhere, uh, even in uh, STD out or STD error. So it's absolutely silent, and uh, then my Terraform executes successfully. Yeah, yeah, but the better way here is like if you have world. I mean, if you go all in a hash stack, actually Terraform itself knows how to fetch temporary credentials from world. So you can say like that's my AWS provider configuration, and use temporary credentials from world. Basically, it's possible to configure that, and then you're not getting a static secret that someone can steal. Yeah. You're getting a short time lived secret. Here's DevSecOps that uh, even if someone gets their hands on, they have a very limited window of opportunity to perform the attack. Cool. But, but it's, it sounds uh, interesting to have this. I think also the afterhooks are interesting to test that the infrastructure is still working. I mean, we talked yeah. about four ad in running like Terraform Apply weekly. Uh, you might want to run your end-to-end test on your application to verify that the application is still rolling as you think it is after you run uh, Terraform uh, apply. Yeah, I think what it could be useful for, like pre-init hooks, it might be useful. Like with Terraform, I mean, HashiCorp has uh, compliance, uh, like the policies for your Terraform. It's called Sanitel. Sentinel. Uh, but that's a part of the paid offering. So if you want to have like a cheap man solution, you could uh, use Terragram with the init hook or like pre-apply hook to run some kind of Terraform linting, like the Chekhov for Bridge Crew, for instance, they are trying to analyze your Terraform spec and find the security issues. There are a number like TFSEC and there are quite a number of different linters for Terraform. So if you feel like doing a little bit of compliance it's code and making yeah. sure that people don't open port 22 to the rest of the world or some other stupid things, then um, I, I think it's judgmental. No. Like, time to time, you have to open 22. But, well, yeah. If but, people unknowingly un- taking an uneducated decision about opening port 22, to the out of the world. So you can bring their attention to this so they can make an educated decision. This is what I wanted to say. Uh, I'd like to highlight that uh, uh, the benefit of Terragrant is uh, is uh, absolutely uh, not to cover all use cases where you may think it's, it's possible, then you have to do it. Uh, I would uh, still prefer to keep Terragrant to do uh, things related to just orchestration of invocation of Terraform modules, not calling a bunch of different scripts before or after or during, uh, simply because it's uh, going to be uh, end very badly. 
uh, and you will see this as with most of the tools that uh, it's it's growing so big that you don't understand what's going on or where the error comes from. I mean, we have these uh, scenarios daily, right? Uh, what is uh, extremely important to understand the core concept of uh, um, Terragrant is actually a Terraform module, which means that uh, only if you have your code as uh, as a Terraform module, you can put it into your uh, successful or um, uh, how to say well designed uh, infrastructure as code layout, and then you can put it in different environments. You can run it through CI/CD pipelines and so on. So uh, Terra uh, Terragrant is just uh, telling you three things. What kind of module you want to do or you want to take? What kind of input parameters do you want to send into it? And where to get these parameters? It does a lot uh, more than uh, statical TFRs files because you can declare dependencies between. Uh, so that you can say that in order to spin up this EC2 instance, you need to go to a module called VPC and get public subnet IDs, and then take ID number two from this list and spin up instance there. You can do this uh, without writing too much uh, magic, without using data source. Uh, it will just go to that folder where VPC is instantiated, and it will just run Terraform output and then get list of uh, subnet IDs, and then from that list it will pick up uh, element number two. Assuming that you have everything in one repository with like all those folders available. Yeah, and that's, you can do this, uh, you can do this uh, cross repositories as well, but uh, it doesn't look so easy to understand. Normally, so you, you have to do like submodules or something like that, just to bring the whole structure together. Yeah, and uh, I, I really like to have a lot of uh, information in one uh, close folder where, let's say, all of my project uh, usually consists of about 20 to 50 different modules invoked uh, from all kind of services, all networking, certificates, AWS config, code deploy, lambdas, and so on. So all kind of services are uh, described into that one. And if I need to see what kind of dependencies, uh, let's say, this S3 bucket have, then I just go to a specific file and I see that, okay, notification rules are like this, or who has access to this and this. It's all described there. And so if we reformulate that, basically, Telegram op uh, offers opinionated solutions for known Terraform problems. Because yeah. what you mentioned now is a problem of remote state. So if you have two different states, like one state that defines VPC and another state or like the application spec that wants to use VPC ID from there, it needs to know VPC somehow. Terraform offers you a possibility to de declare in a Terraform spec remote state and go there and read it from there. That's one way, but it's quite often gets quite messy. Another thing is that you could do is as Telegram does, it's uh, structure your stuff this way, and I will be able to go and find it for you. So that's just another way of solving it. A third yeah. way, like what we do for customer today, uh, we pro pro provision like foundational infrastructure, and then we have environment setup scripts for the developers. And then environment uh, setup scripts will just use TF1's environment variable, and every variable that starts with tf underscore var underscore some name will be interpreted by Terraform that if you def define any vars, then it will read those environment variables and get values from there. So basically, instead of reading remote file or like remote state or finding it somehow, we just are coding that from through environment variable, assuming that like your VPC ID is quite static. So it doesn't change yeah. that often. And uh, if it does, then we will just update the environment setup script and we have a way of redistributing that to developers. However, if someone like, there is a good distinction. So you can do that if you understand what you're doing, right? 
So like, if you know your way with Terraform, you know how it works under the full, well, like in general terms, and you have a good experience with that, then you can do all the stuff. You can might do like your, your own tiny wrapper, your own way of doing that. But if you are coming to an organization and you need to get up and running, and there are people who are not that versed with Terraform, I would say like, you know, go with Terraform because Terraform offers them opinionated way of doing things so that yeah. people will not shoot themselves into the leg. Yeah, I, uh, I want to uh, do a uh, shameless plug. So cool. about, about a year ago, uh, yeah, actually, uh, almost a year ago, I uh, started a project which uh, allows to use annotation inside of uh, Terraform TFRs. So instead of, so once you, let's say, recreate your VPC, you don't have to go to set up uh, .tfrs and uh, change uh -huh. this VPC ID. It would do this for you. Uh -huh. So instead of your static uh, TFRs file, you can use annotations, which would be replaced automatically with correct values. Right. And uh, you send us a link to this one, and we will add it to show notes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, about uh, um, yeah, about a year ago, I started it, and then after summer break, I abandoned it because exactly the same functionality appeared in Terragrant natively. All right, then you don't send us a link. <laughs> I, send, I send you a link, but it says not VIP abandoned. Yeah, yeah. all right. But, but it, it sounds like this is the natural step. I mean, uh, when I started with Terraform, I started with one, of course, the environment. But then I needed two. And then then you come to these problems when you have to divide clusters and names. And the easy thing is that you do a copy, you have two versions, but then you continue on developing a one. And then you have to copy files back and forward. It feels like the Terraform is the natural step then to have multiple environments. Hmm. Yeah, Terragrant uh, uh, makes it easier for you to copy-paste stuff and make it visible. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that we are uh, almost half hour talking about uh, this stuff and none of us mentioned uh, the worst feature of uh, Terraform ever, which <laughs> is start starting from Dubeltwe. Like workspaces. Yeah. Uh, so well, I've kind of mentioned it before because I said you need to have this init and you have different names and stuff. And it's if, if I understand right, basically work, workspaces allows you to have different state files for the same spec, right? Is it is it right? I'm I I didn't I didn't understand them, so yeah, I, I don't know. Well, no, like you a form of need, right? You have your spec configuration, with, like you say, put it to S3. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my understanding is that with workspace, you can tell it like, now I need it this way and put the state to this directory instead in S3. So you can have two different state files. No? It's, it's easy to uh, think about this as you have one piece of code which can point into different uh, TF state files. That's what I'm saying. Let's say one uh, in uh, Terraform Cloud, another one on your local machine, and third one is on your S3 bucket. And all of yeah. them started at different points of time uh, from the same code base. Yeah. yeah. It's like, for instance, when you have, uh, when you use the same spec for dev, stage, and pro, right? You have a problem if you have your S3 path hard-coded within the Terraform spec. So that's it's trying to address this. So you can actually use the same spec for the different environments and then you don't mix up the state for dev, stage, and broad. So you, the spec is the same, but you have three separate state files depending on what environment you are in. So you have like the same spec, you have a set of TFRs or whatever you have, or like Teragram HCL thingy, and then you also need to have a separate uh, state, so you don't mix between dev stage and probe or whatever you call your environment. So I believe that's the solution. And there is another way to solve it. I mean, that's what I can <laughs> I hope so. In my homegrown solution, when uh, we run like Terraform, you need to use S3 dynamic configuration. So basically, again, through environment variables, we say, like, this is a bucket, 
this is the path, like that's the environment name in there. And we just say like the actual uh, state config in uh, what you commit to the file, it just says S3. It doesn't have anything. We just pass all those parameters when we do Terra Terraform on it. And Workspace does the similar thing. And I believe the Telegram solves the same type of problem for you somehow. Telegram had this solution exactly as you are describing some time ago. But about half a year ago, uh, there became a way to generate this partial configuration into static configuration. Hmm. Uh, okay. so uh, which uh, usually gives you more flexibility uh, to debug and see what exactly has been uh, configured. Yeah, so again, we are arriving to the same conclusion. Like, Terraground offers a finited way of solving known Terraform problems. Like, you yeah. can solve them in your own way if you know what you are doing. If you don't, do Terraground. Terra <laughs> yeah, let's talk about uh, complicated stuff which Terragram cannot help with. Uh, I have uh, been working with Terragram for a pretty long time, and uh, every time when I stuck on some issue for, let's say, one day, I want to rewrite in shell in 20 lines of shell. Because uh, essentially, it's setting up config uh, tfvar cli args environment variables and running Terraform apply in specific place. That's similar to what it what Terragrant does for most of use cases. For example, one of the uh, challenging part in Terragrant is that if you want to describe uh, a little bit of uh, recursion, or mm -hmm. if you want to describe uh, resources which are inherited from, uh, uh, which let's say have inherited configurations. For example, I have environment uh, settings and I have Lambda settings and I have specific settings for one Lambda function. Mm -hmm. So what I want is that I want to have just two lines for my Lambda function uh, configured in one place, and the rest I want to be inherited from, uh, from other levels above. Let's say from Lambdas and from environments. And you can do this. You can write a lot of code, uh, which is uh, essentially reading Telegram configuration files from specific locations, merging different uh, values into into map and so on. But it, it soon become uh, impossible uh, to work with as well. So this is one challenge which uh, Terragrant uh, does not uh, solve so nicely. Anton, why on earth you want to do a recursion in the Terraform? Uh, as I explained, I have uh, a lot of Lambda functions. And uh, okay. I don't want to repeat configuration in all of them. I want to have very small subset of configuration on just Lambda function level, and the rest mm -hmm. I want to inherit. Lambda function itself does not contain function itself. It contains also alias, uh, different configuration um, for, let's say, dead letter Q, VPC, IAM policies, and so on. And if I do this uh, for 20 functions, and then I want to, let's say, update configuration for all of these 20 functions, I need to change something in 20 places. That's I don't want to do. It sounds like you want to, you know, to, to brush the dust from your JavaScript skills and pick up Pulumi. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there are some solutions like uh, in Terragrant, I can go to a specific folder and run Terragrant apply all and let Terragrant to go through dependencies uh, and uh, figure out the sequence of this, uh, uh, of this uh, modules which has to be executed. It works usually okay. But when I have several layers of dependencies, uh, uh, executing internal let's say one Lambda function may require to reapply VPC configuration as well. Hmm. Because uh, Lambda function has to have access to VPC. Right. So it's easily become an interconnected, like big, big, big ball of mud. Hmm. Just to uh, give specific example with Lambda function, because that's what I'm working uh, most uh, right now, uh, in order to deploy 
uh, one Lambda function using AWS code deploy, alias, uh, camera deployment, and so on, I have to connect about uh, seven different modules, Uh, which are small and granular and reusable, and that's fine. But it's just taking way too much time. Serverless on AWS is just insanity, doing that with Terraform. Doing the API gateway, connecting that to Lambda, like in plain Terraform, may take you a week. Yeah, I, I guess. Actually, but, I got a link. Anton did a really good Lambda model. Like it has like everything you might want to have. It has it there, and uh, I'm not looking back. Like we had our own Lambda model implementation, and I'm like switching everything to this one because it's all good. Uh, it's very. Very elegant implementation. Well, it comes with a little bit of Python under the hood, which is not ideal, but it does its thing and it's fine. I mean, you usually have Python everywhere. It's not the big. Yeah, the idea with this module was that uh, Python is kind of default language uh, if you cannot uh, go uh, with uh, just Terraform. And uh, Terraform provider, which is uh, zip archive or archive, uh, is not. A, is not uh, complete enough at all. Yeah, that's a data source, like uh, to, to create an archive using Terraform. Uh, yeah, you, you can create archive using it as well, but it's uh, far from uh, ideal. Yeah. Jordan, you've been quiet. Say yeah, I was thinking, yeah. thinking uh, looking at him. Are you alive? Are you asleep? Or... No, I'm very well alive. Um, yeah. I, I just agree with the most of what it's been said i but to me this is very like uh, kind of the it's a different level of abstraction like what you're talking is setting up the base of the infrastructure and to me the reason i've been quiet is that when, once that is done i automate and i i barely touch it again you know like I'm, i move on to me infrastructure is more the things that i need to do in order to do my work and so yeah, you, you can argue about all the tools, but if your workflow sucks, uh, it doesn't matter how much you automate that workflow, it's it's going to be a pain. And the, the more people you involve, the more difficult it gets. And so, you know, Terraform, TerraGrant, uh, it's very AWS-centric, so maybe some prefer CloudFormation. Uh, I don't know. I, I've, to me, like the, the, the least... It's per layer. So the first layer to me is like, yeah, the, the base infrastructure like VPC, clusters, all those things, networking, all that, yeah, I would put into um, into Terraform. Everything above, it starts being questionable with the mm-hmm. containers and everything. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure I, I would go that way. Um, actually, actually, I do agree. Like with the Pulumi and other infrastructures as code solution, like, I don't know how to call them like that. You know, Amazon has this uh, CDK thingy, and Google probably has something like that. The Pulumi offers you SDK to define your infrastructure using the real code, and uh, and then you have like all the all the abilities of the real programming language. You know, you can have loops, classes, libraries. And recursion and tail recursion and whatever you want. Yeah, but do you want really that uh, your your application is self-deployed? It might be a good idea. I, I never tried that workflow, but uh, all I know is that if you automate the wrong thing, you're gonna you're gonna destroy yourself. <laughs> so no, but my point was that, like you know, you have the foundation foundational infrastructure that you decouple, and you can do that with Terraform, right? But when you have your application infrastructure, something that is separate, that separate state, has separate directory, repository, whatever, the perfect world lives next to the application code, then with the tools like Pulumi, you can tell developers like, well, you wrote it in Go, here's a Pulumi in Go, use the same language, and describe whatever you need out of this infrastructure as a dependency to your application. Yeah, that can be a workflow. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, although, what does your stand on uh, on those tools, Santon? Well, I'm. I, I definitely uh, have been watching what Pulumi and CDK was doing uh, before it was kind of 
uh, public and on mass market. Uh, the thing why I'm uh, so silent about these tools is that I simply think they're developing in the wrong direction. We don't need uh, over-engineered solution coming out of the box. Like, uh, I don't want to impress anyone that I can use loops or conditions in my infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I hardly understand why people are so excited about features which are coming in 0.13 that, hey, we can use four inch modules. Well, uh, mm-hmm. during the last many years, I have not had need for that, maybe once. But honestly, I have not been excited with this newest features because I never had need for that. And the reason for that is that uh, I think uh, we need to provide easier solution for people. And the easier solution here is that your developers who are like application developers, they should not be uh, going uh, and, uh, okay, now I need to learn another tool and know what is infrastructure or how to connect all of this stuff. Because what they want to do is that they want to get opinionated solution developed by people who are specializing in that and provide their key values into that. So let's say if they want to make S3 bucket, all they want to do is that, hey, tell me the name of S3 bucket. Okay, cool. Uh, do you want it to be secure or not? And they okay, say, yes. now, now I'm going to catch you. So, right. I, I agree with what you are saying. So, you want to provide uh, some kind of black box that does the right thing for developer. And developer just puts in the value saying that, yeah, I want to have S3 bucket, secure, as secure as possible S3 bucket with this name and all the tags that should be there. But, you know, doing the doing logic within Terraform is hard because Terraform is, first of all, it's not imperative, right? It's declarative. And when you're trying to lay out the logic on top of that, it's becoming a mess in most cases. Especially if you don't know how to do that. If you know, well, it's possible to do, but it's complicated. And I would say with a more with a real programming languages, you can do quite advanced logic and uh, do a quite nice software. Much easier comparing to what you could do with Terraform. Like I quite often just bumping into the limitations of Terraform, and I understand them. It's fine. I mean, I'm not against that, but I'm just. In some cases, I'm thinking, like, for instance, if you take the Kubernetes deployment, you have so many variables in there. Provisioning through Terraform, that would be really, really complicated to just put all the logic in, like, Terraform, in a Kubernetes deployment or, like, AWS, ECS deployment thingy. Or it's, I believe, it's task, or task. Like, have all the logic needed there. Like, if you're specifying this, then you need to get that. In Terraform, it will be super messy to, to do. And with a programming language, as you have those if and then, and the nice thing on top of that with Pulum is that you have compliance code. So they offer their compliance solution for free, at least now. I don't know what's going to happen next, but that's something that they go ahead, I think. But that, that's exactly, exactly the point I was trying to make. Um, usually, if you're a developer, like, you don't want to care about that. You want a platform. You, you want like, hey, here's my code. Please run it and scale it. And here is what I want. Like, and that's why you have descriptive language. That's why all those, the, the automation and putting a programming language, it, it is going in circle. You know, it's like, oh, you finally have a descriptive language. Like, let, let's put a Turing complete language in it so that we can mess this up. And, yeah. and so uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel to me, it's more like it's it's better to work on a on a tool that's going to generate, you know, the descriptive language or, or you know, get good at copy pasting stuff. Or uh, I don't know, it, it feels working on the wrong layer of abstraction to me. And yeah, it, it's it doesn't really matter. Uh, like, I, I still cannot understand why there is entire department dedicated to managing infrastructure in the cloud uh, when you have you know, services that can do that probably better and much cheaper than paying a bunch of people to, to just upgrading var- numbers on... on it, it, it sounds very, very time-consuming for very little value that you get out of it. You're being such a developer. 
<laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> uh, to, to, me, to, to me, infrastructure is the thing that ju- that should just work. And since since the cloud, I I have to say it's it's not like hundred percent, but it's much much better than to go and have to beg the ops team to please 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 do this and do that. And here is like okay, I have the. I have the access. Why, why should I need to go and ask permission for something that right. somebody, and you know, then I, you have to fill in the form about justifying why you need this or that. Um, th- that knowledge is interesting, though, because if you have worked in infrastructure, it's it's very valuable in the terms of oh, you as if you as a somebody who have been on both sides, I, I think that. Um, to, that knowledge of infrastructure allows a lot of code to be removed. Like you, you might not need all that code. You have a, something that do, does exactly that. And th- that is very valuable. That brings value because you g- get to ship things faster. But yeah. to, to manage infrastructure, like how, how long should you, like, you, you understand? Like, I, I don't really see the use case about what, what should change so much when you have everything that is basically auto scaling. All right. Okay, I think we're getting uh, I, I to think, one uh, hour. Should we wrap it up? Go ahead, Anton. Uh, I just want to, uh, I completely agree with uh, the statement which Julian just said is that for how long we should uh, uh, embrace this, uh, this situation where people say, like, oh, yeah. I'm working on infrastructure and it takes ages to, to get uh, absolutely not unique thing done. I understand if you're working on so, so greenfield stuff where nobody else worked before. But uh, from my experience, 90% of stuff has been developed by dozens of people before you and it's already in open source and already high quality. So that's uh, another point to uh, Terragrant is that... Uh, uh, Telegram enforce you to not uh, develop your solution, but enforce you to go out, find uh, existing piece of code or existing module, put it into your, uh, put your uh, values into it, uh, put it into pipeline. Luckily, Atlantis does it pretty well. And uh, here you go. You don't have to go deep into Terraform, into Terraform limitations, and learn Terraform uh, just to get your VPC up and running, for example. Because believe yeah. me, you're not the first one who is spinning up VPC. Yeah, yeah. and sure. I, I think that brings the point. Like, uh, if somebody should learn TerraGrant, and I would say yes, just for the opinions, like so, so that you don't need to adhere hundred percent, but at least read the the the, in the documentation in the repo. They give a lot of example of why they are opinionated that way, and that may or may not fit your use case. But the the fact that they reason about like it's architecture documentation almost. Like this is how we do. You might not like it, might not suit you, but hey, you, at least you have a template. You have a blueprint for... I'm not, I'm not sure that they have explanation for why they do it exactly this way. Like what's yeah, the problem there? There was very good explanation at the beginning uh, when they had documentation in GitHub repo. And that uh-huh. oh, from GitHub repo into website, I personally lost track. I couldn't find many things there. All right. Uh-huh. Yeah, my, my knowledge of Telegram is 2018. So, yeah, my, my uh, about that, like 2017, 2018. Yeah, so I, I kind of lost track of that. I move on to something else. But I think we did a good summary of problems it's solving here. Yeah. So if anyone wants, come listen to this podcast or send it to friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Should, should we wrap this podcast up then? Yeah, but I, I want to say an announcement. I want to yeah. announce. And an answer. Wow. Okay. Should we? Okay. I'm sitting down. I already know. <laughs> no, we uh, did a little bit of change in the, how we communicate. Before that, we were sitting in Slack, and we also had like a next episode thingy yeah. on the website, which is devsecops.fm. Now we also have a GitHub GitHub channel where everyone with the GitHub account can join, 
and people with a GitHub account maybe shouldn't anyway. And uh, we're going to put a link to the GitHub channel on the website on yeah. the home page. So if you have an idea for the next episode, you think we are wrong in something or think we are right, come tell us. If there are some views that you think that should be discussed, bring it there and we will discuss it all together. We will pull this episode to the DevSecOps fan. The show notes going to be easier, and uh, we will put all the links to the Anton, what he does with his Lambda model, to the Terra Grant, whatever yeah. other things we find and Anton sends us. They're going to be there. That's yeah. Cool. Anton, really good to have you on board. Any last words? Well, sounds scary. Last words. Yeah. <laughs> Famous last word. Yeah, well, yeah. uh, I think uh, we all agree that uh, there are lots of options, lots of possibilities, and TerraGrant is definitely not the only one. And the more I work with it, I can tell you that I'm not as big fan as it may sound because I know a lot of uh, drawbacks. But at the same time, I don't know anything better. So what I just encourage everyone is to stay humble and see what you uh, what you're able to find, give it a try. I will share my reference architecture links, um, several uh, repositories which uh, I use uh, to show to people how it can be used. And I also have developed and still in progress of developing different tools to help people use Terragrant effectively. So Mm -hmm. this will be uh, definitely for later because it's not quite there yet. I should so, get my shell script open source <laughs> and, and, and relieve you from struggle. Yeah. <laughs> the, the world needs more bash. More bash. It's 100 clients of bash and solves all the problems. <laughs> Perfect. Famous F- last word. 100 lines of bash solves all the problems. <laughs> yeah. But that's true. Now, now, okay. now I'm bringing Trump. Like, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I will go and check out the Telegram webpage and see how I can use it for my Terraform. And uh, with that, I will say thank you for listening and uh, I hope you tune in soon again. Goodbye. Till next time. Bye. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias, Andre and Julian. For more podcasts and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.